tonight on Whiskey Waffle. We drank some whiskey and we liked some. Basically, this podcast is a mullet. I've bought a bottle, he's bought a bottle, both bought a bottle, it's been happy times around. Dad's doing his best effort to fall off the chair. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Nicholas. Yes, Ted. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. It is a sensational time. It has been summer for the last three days in Tasmania, which means we're about to due to go back to winter again. Yeah, yeah, we've had it. We've had our three amazing days, and uh, yeah, back to the cold again. Um, to be fair, us as Tasmanians, we can't really handle it when it gets this warm. Oh, yeah, look... As a born and bred Tasmanian, I know that it is actually not physically possible for life to survive over about like twenty seven degrees. Yeah, yeah, no, that's just that just gets too much. Yeah, and yeah. look, even sort of like twenty ones pushing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so. that's it. The comfortable eighteen, give me any yep. day. So, um, just like to point out what we're we're starting off with because we're bottle killing um, a Hellier's Road bottle that I've had for a little while now. I'm actually going to pour the last bit into my glass now, so you can you can join with us as the bottle is killed. Oh, trickle, trickle, I think Trickle, is. trickle. Yep. There goes the Hellier's Road Twin Oak. So, funny story with the Twin Oak. It's um, a do, mix... Do amuse me. I will. I'll, well, I'll, I'll tell you the story. I can't promise any amusement. Basically, a disclaimer for the entire podcast. Um, <laughs> so, the Twin Oak is from two different barrels. Really? Yeah. Gasp. I know. It's a mixture of some of their port matured whiskey, which is quite young. I mean, I say quite young. For Hellier's Road, it's like nine years. And it's also a mixture of some triple distilled. Triple distilled? Um, yeah, they did a triple distillation run a, a, well, a bunch of years back, like 14, 15 years ago now. It's a bit of an experiment, and some of the, the fruits of their labors have been been ripening, shall we say. No, it's. I'm going to put it out there. The triple distilled stuff isn't that great. No. I love you, Hellas Road, but the triple distilled did not do it for me. Look, it was an interesting experiment mm. and well worth taking the time. But... Yeah, 15 years. Yeah, But... The way that they're flogging it off, well, not flogging it off, but the way that they've uh, managed to tame it, shall we say, is to mix it with some of their port wood and create this twin oak. So it's a it's a spikier Hellier's Road. This one, it's got some edge to it, some prickle. I think so. This is this is the end of the bottle. Mm. I think it's actually improved slightly. Yeah, I, I was thinking that the other night. I had this on New Year's Eve actually, and it did go down quite well around the um, um, just outside camping. And what I think has happened is I think that some of like the because it's the end of the bottle, some of the things that are in there have kind of evaporated off a bit, mm. and it's some of the volatiles mellowed a bit. Yep. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. I think it has mellowed, um, and I'm sure all of our listeners have stories of of bottles that they weren't really sure about to start with, but then have warmed to over time, or maybe the bottle has has settled down a bit, or maybe some oxidization has occurred to the benefit of the whiskey. Now, speaking of listeners, yes. An important event happened just the other day. Oh, we got a listener, did we, Ted? Yes. Yes, someone My- listened to the podcast. Yes. That's always our- a cause for celebration yeah. around here. Our mums our mums found their phones finally and yeah. worked out how to use them. Yeah. No, no, no. It was we- Christmas time, so they showed great aunt Edna. Oh, look, our son do this podcast. <laughs> uh, our Patreon. You may, have, you may have heard that we are running a Patreon. And yeah. look, loyal bunch of supporters. We know, we know that, like... We know that it can be sort of a bit of a financial thing, sort of burden to to lash out on on uh, helping generate quality content. But if you can spare the money and would like to, uh, yeah, help help um, help get some quality whiskey uh, waffling content out there, um, if you can spare a few dollars and jump in on the uh, Patreon, that'd be really really cool. Yeah, so we have a new Patreon who has subscribed at the level where we send out a, a free dram for them to taste, and it's the one of the review drams, so the one that's coming up later this episode. Some of our Patreons will be receiving it soon. But, not only has he signed up to this level, he's also become an official waffler. Oh my goodness! The sheer honour! Yeah, you better get onto the certificate, Ted. Yes, I must do that, actually. <laughs> um, Daniel, if you're waiting a certificate. No, <laughs> Anyway, um, shall we get inducting? We shall. We induct you as an official waffler to pontificate purposefully and verbalize verbosely. Daniel De Silva. That's right, Daniel De Silva. He's a shiny new uh, backer. Yeah, he's in. He's in. He's an official waffler. Congrats. Well, with all that official stuff out of the way, shall we uh, kick off the episode? I reckon that's a reasonable idea.
basically this this podcast is a mullet business at the front but then as the night goes on it becomes a party at the back the waffle it is a new year ted a new year which means that well really we've just got to reflect hard on the old one Yes, we drank some whiskey last year. We did. Well, we didn't have much else to do, really. Stuck at home for a bunch no, of it. We just sat in our underpants, crying quietly, yep. and clutching a bottle to our chests. Mm, indeed. Now, we had a few little Zoom tastings, with, um, mainly with friends. That, that was an interesting exploration into technology and mm. whiskey. I, I, I uh, visited um, Israel during... Yeah, you did, didn't you? Um, during the lockdown, that yep. was that was quite fun. I visited Melbourne. Yep. <laughs> and by by visiting Israel, I mean that I virtually visited Israel. Indeed. But basically, throughout the year, we tried a bunch of different drams, and there were some absolute standouts, ones that we thought deserved some praise, some recognition. And so, it comes time to announce the 2020 Waffle Awards. Yes, as my colleague said, we drank some whiskey and we liked some. Yep. And the there is an award for the best Tasmanian whiskey. It's called the Isle of the Drammed Award. Yes, and something which might not surprise some people mm-hmm. is that it has gone to one Mr. Duckett. Indeed, it's gone to a Hartwood. <laughs> surprise, uh, surprise. Surprise, surprise. But But this one is kind of special. So the name of this whiskey is a serious whiskey. <laughs> A serious whiskey. Yeah, because this is... So he's just been messing around before? He's yeah, yeah, they're all the easy. silly whiskies. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, no, well, this is... Well, Louis Duckett with his hokey-cokies. <laughs> that um, is the very definition of mucking around. Yep. Yeah, no. Well, no, this one is a serious whiskey, which is Tim's first foray into peat. Ooh, peat. Yes, this is peated spirit from Adams, blended with a little bit of um, Launceston Distillery Spirit, stuck in the finest quality sherry barrels that you're going to find this side of Jimenez. And left to marry and mature, and yeah, this is the result. Delicious. Actually, I would, I would say that this is his second foray into peat. Mm? His first foray into peat was the uh, Hart Grove. <laughs> Peter Bignall. Peter Bignall, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to Hartwood for once again cleaning up a Tasmania Whiskey Award mm. out of the Drammed. But let's go, let's go to the mainland. The mainland is starting to hot up, mm. not just in terms of the stonkingly great heat waves that they get over there <laughs> on occasion, but also in terms of their whiskey production. And we have a, a category called Drams Down Under. Yeah, and it could go to whiskey from any state. So I think it's really appropriate that it's gone to whiskey from two states. Indeed. Now, this one is a collab. This is one called From Country to Coast. It is bloody good. Um, yeah. It's 48%. Sort of two casks mis- mixed together, and yeah, we we really, really just loved this one. Yeah, well, peat fortified wine, two great distilleries. What could possibly go wrong? Well, nothing, because they made an award-winning whiskey. So, um, we also have got to save an award for Scotland because Scotland is where it all started for us, and probably where it will all end. Each year, we give an award to a whiskey that we've discovered throughout that year. The Tartan Slipper! The Tartan Slipper is the name of the award. And this year, it went to a whiskey that really we should have gotten onto a long time ago. We did, but I don't think we ever just... Well, well we'd pro- like tried it in a bar, maybe, but... I think part of the problem was it was expensive. I think part of the problem was we were obsessed with the 10-year-old and the Oogadal. I mean... Is that a problem? <laughs> is, yeah. is that a problem? That's the defined problem. So it goes to the distillery Ardbeg, of course. Of and course. the award winner this year is the one that we've fallen in love with in 2020. It's the Ardbeg Korivreken. Oh, you do like saying that. I you do. do. You learnt you to say it and you've never let it go. I know, I know. I wanted to jump in with that one. So the Korivreken, named after the whirlpool between the coasts of Isla and Jura. And, um, well, drinking it feels like you've been sucked down a whirlpool. Oh, it is a sensational expression of Isla. Yeah, and it's also just fireier than, than a lot of others because it's a slightly higher percentage. It just gives you an extra bit of, like, the campfire hasn't quite died down yet. It's not just coals. There is still some life to it. We got the bottle for one of our tasting nights, and then 
I went and found a bottle online and yep. I was really, I was like, because I got it for a really good price as well. I was like really pleased about this. And I went and told my friend here, you'll really appreciate this. I've gone and bought a bottle of the Cory Reckon. Pulled it out like, of his bag. Here it is. Yeah. Look. <laughs> here it is. And he just gave me this knowing smile and then pulled out his own as well. <laughs> and then he gro- grabbed the bottle of Cory Reckon too. So uh, Yes, yes, I did. We'd both gone and bought it after, independently after that night. We were so impressed. I think that really is one of the key signs to say that this deserves the award because we'd both gone and sorted it out. Since um, Ted brought the country to coast, I've gone and found a bottle. Yep, um, we, we both own a bottle of this serious whiskey. I, th- I think that is actually a real theme of our awards. Yeah, I think so too. We we do we do seem to it's ones that, it's ones that we've actually gone back for another crack. It's, yep. it's not just that we've sort of enjoyed it. We've enjoyed enough that like I've bought a bottle, he's bought a bottle, yep. we both bought a bottle. It's been happy times all around. It's not enough to just try it once. You need to have your own bottle. Um, which is actually the case for the next one, although the next one isn't that hard to really get yourself a bottle because it's the Value for Money Award. Woo! It's called the Pocket Pleaser, the perfect pick for the Parch Penny Pincher. Did I get that right? I think you might have. Yay! It's the Value for Money Award anyway. This one is the one that they've released as a set of entry level. It's, it's meant to be the accessible both flavor point and price point. And interestingly, it's a deliberate reaction to the market as well. They mm. they saw what was happening saw in other coming. sectors and they said... Saw the right, Archie Rose to, bringing their price yeah, down. We've got to do something about this. And so they created the Corowa Characters. Yeah, named after the little um, kind of... Not quite stick figures, but the lovely little cartoony drawings of the staff members on the side. And yeah, it's their entry level and it's matured in a bunch of different wine casks. And it sort of, it finds a really happy middle ground of being accessible. It's under $100 Australian. You can often get for about which is what, Which is amazing as yeah, well. Yeah, it's really good. But it's also got enough complexity and enough going on that, yeah, it's really quite nice to drink. I, I go back to it quite regularly. Um, but we at Whiskey Waffle, we appreciate the different, the unusual, the weird. The very weird. The weird ski. Yes. The weirdest whiskey that we tried in 2020 um which is quite an honor like you have to be pretty out there to get this award now we should say that this weird ski isn't meant to be derogative it's not, not at all it's not meant to say that we like oh that's that's a weird whiskey like <laughs> what is going on there oh i don't know about this we we like weird although having said that the floki sheep dung has won it on yeah that, that one was was a bad one but this this one is a good one the, the weird ski to me is something that you go back to every time and you just think what is going on there how did they do that how Mm. did they create that and so our winner of this one uh this year is from a independent uh tasmanian distiller bottler called spirit thief Mm. now their sort of their whole thing they've sort of evolved a bit over time but their whole thing now is exploration of red wine casks doesn't ma- doesn't matter what sort it's it's all sorts of red wine casks from all over the world and spirit that's not necessarily not necessarily not necessarily <laughs> from just Tasmania it's from various different places this one is from Tasmania though this one is from Tasmania and it is from a distillery that we're actually going to feature a bit more as this episode goes on Belgrove Distillery Belgrove yes Belgrove Origin Spirit mm, famous for their rye but is this a rye no, it is not. This one is a single malt. Ah. Now, Belgrove Distillery Origin, so Spirit Thief is the guys who put this together, but the Spirit is uh, Belgrove Distillery Origin. It is aged in a Cab Sav, Cabernet Sauvignon, French oak cask. Yep, there's the red wine. Yep, and it is coastal peated as well. Ah, more peat. Tell you what, peat has got four out of five so far. Yeah, we do, we look here at Whiskey Waffle. We don't mind a little bit of peat. So. I know, but it doesn't always get the awards though. But this year, it actually really has um, yeah. Tasmanian peat as well, or Australian peat. And the reason this one is the weird ski is it's just I would say that the flavour is unique. And my friend is about to return <laughs> with, um, it is indeed unique. Oh, thank you. Mm. Next level unique. Ugh. No, it, it. But you're right. This is, and like I know that like we've been talking about like other distilleries that have done a peated single malt. This is a peated single malt, but the way that Peter Bignall does things at his distillery are unlike any other distillery. He just manages to encourage out a burnt, smoky... Oh, like, it's not quite a bushfire. It's like 
you, you've you've lit a fire in a chimney that is completely blocked. It's it, you haven't lit it all summer, and it's completely blocked up, and the smoke fills up a room. It's yeah, it's I, like I you could stick a a slab of um what's soon to be bacon in this and uh, smoke it out with the stuff. My key tasting note for this is Dutch gingerbread, <laughs> spiced Dutch gingerbread, it's which just, is a really interesting taste note. But it's true. It's just such a strong. It is a strong whiskey. Yeah. Um. Our, our good friend Viv came up with another brilliant tasting note for it, which is peanuts. This is a satay whiskey. Mm. Let's move on. Yes. The next award is a very special one. Very special indeed. Named after the Godfather himself, Mr. Bill Lark, we award a an award not to a whiskey, not to a bottle, but to a person. And this, in this case, this this person is is close to our geographical hearts. Mm. That's it. We've given out a few awards over time. The very first Bill Lark Award went to uh, <coughs> Bill Lark, um, but we've given it out to to Peter Bignall, to Tim Duckett, and a bunch of our other heroes over the years. Last year, Jane Overeem received the award. But this year, it goes to Mr. Mark Litlad, the head distiller from Hellier's Road, or outgoing head distiller. Outgone distiller, I suspect. He's off, he's off, yeah. He is a true gentleman of the dis- uh, Tasmanian distilling scene. He is such a lovely guy, and uh, yeah, he just goes about his business, just tries to make the best whiskey he can, and... Um, and Really, the older his whiskeys get, he's just succeeding time and time again. There is some amazing old whiskey being made at Helly's Road. And a lot of the general public don't get to try that. A lot of you guys at home don't get to try that. But I'm telling you, if you can find an old Helly's Road, get onto that stuff. Because there is some amazing stuff coming. And he's also been a spearhead for taking Tasmanian whiskey to the rest of the world. They Hellier's Road have made incredible inroads into overseas markets. Yeah. Um, partic- particularly in like uh uh France and Japan. They are yeah, both both of those markets, they've really made big inroads in getting Australian Tasmanian product. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Littler, for your service. We wish you all the best in the future. Um mm whatever your next venture is and I think it's time to move on to our final category yeah the big one the golden dram the golden dram basically for the best whiskey of the year um, it has to be something that's new that we've discovered for the first time and has just like it doesn't have to be the most fancy the rarest the oldest the most expensive it has to be the best how do you qualify that well one thing that we took into account, and we did mention this just before, is we've bought not just one bottle of this mm. this year. We've bought a number of them. We have. Yeah. Ted's gone back for seconds. Um, I've tried some of his and got in on the act. If sort of quantity is any any sort of uh, qualifier of quality, <laughs> then we've... Yeah, this, this one has had it in spades for us this year. And it surprised us because we didn't necessarily expect it to be... At this sort of level, we expect it to be good because it's been made by Tim Duckett. Mm. But we just thought, well, you you bought it originally. You just mm. thought this is worth a try. Yep. So we must say, it's not what you're expecting. We it's, mentioned Tim Duckett mm. and everyone's going, it's another Heartwood. Another Heartwood, yep. But it is not it's another not Heartwood. Heartwood. It's not Heartwood's a Heartwood, but it is made by Mr. Duckett and mm. it's from Heartwood's little sister. Tasmanian Independent Butlers or Tib to its friends. Yes. So it, it's... This is actually the third edition of the Vatted Malt. Mm, um, suitably titled the Vatted Malt 3. Yes. And now, the Vatted Malt 3 contains a mixture of two question mark question mark barrels, which, to those in the know, is Archie Rose Origin Spirit, and then with a little bit of Adam's. Mm, uh, just chucked in, just to give it the edge. Just to, I think, I think it's probably Peter Adams, mm. just to give it this little, little sort of kick in a the bit tail. of something. Yeah, and it's great. Uh, it just ticks all the right boxes. It's, it's hits all the right sweet spots. Sweet and oily and thick and characterful, mm. and I love it. I think it's great. It's been matured by someone who knows what they're doing, and we've come back to it time and time again. So that is. Basically, 2020 for us tastes like Vatted Malt 3. Well, that is it for our awards this year. Please please let us know uh, what your thoughts are. Did yeah, you, what did would you, you ag- give your best Tassie whiskey, best Scottish whiskey? Did you agree with our awards? Do you think we're completely talking rubbish? 
And we should have got this one because it is such a good whiskey and you don't know what you're talking about. Now, if you give us your award suggestions for our categories, we'll read it out on the next podcast. Mm. What has been your favorite whiskeys? And yeah, that you mentioned apricot, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Apri- apricot. Well, I believe I did. We might listen back through to this and I made <laughs> no mention of apricot. <laughs> the whiskey. So our review whiskey this month is an absolute treat for those Patreons that are getting some of this in the mail. Oh yeah, they're going to be pretty pleased. Yeah, so this is a Tasmanian whiskey, and it is one of the originals, I suppose. It's one of those ones that's been around for a little while, but nothing like any of the others. Uh, I Look, I think this is one of the first Tasmanian whiskies, which really just blew my mind... Yeah, it opened up a whole different dimension. It pushed the boat out and then transformed the boat into a submarine and then um, sort of found some new regions to explore. Yeah, I, I suppose I remember sort of first hearing about this and sort of it sounded intriguing and we were quite interested to try it, but we didn't quite know what to expect. We never had... We'd never really had any experience with this style of whiskey before. No, and um, when we did try it... Well... I mean, I didn't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. No, it was so it was just odd. Really, mm. really odd. It it was just the only thing I can say it was unique. Yeah. So unique. Oh no. <laughs> um so the whiskey we're talking about is Belgrove. Made at um, Belgrove Distillery by the wonderful Peter Bignall. Now, we'll actually cover some more background about the distillery later in the episode because we travelled to Belgrove and met up with Pete and did an interview. So that's coming up later on the pod. So we'll skip over some of the some of the basic background stuff, but let's let's mention a few of the important facts and figures. Um, and fact number one, this is a single malt, right, Ted? No. So I'm not right. No, you are not right. <laughs> so if it's not if it's not malt, then Ted, what could this be made of? Corn? Nope. Quinoa? Wrong, wrong. Uh, weird whiskey. Well, you have to tell me. It is rye. Rye whiskey. So this is the Belgrove rye whiskey, 100% rye. Um, now. Each batch is slightly different. This one is 44%. And for those that are interested, it was bottled on the 8th of the 8th, 2019. Oh, I do like some good stats. Yeah, yeah. But um, it doesn't say when it was uh, when it was filled. But generally, they're, they're about four to five years old. Now, who who normally do we associate with uh, rye whiskey? Well, um, initially Peter Bignall, but then I realized Canada. Canada, oh, Canada. You, you, yeah, you're right in saying like initially we associated with Peter Bignall, but what we've since sort of realised is that our perceptions from uh, trying the Belgrove rye are completely sort of wrong in terms of what like normal rye is. Yeah, no, this is it. This is not a normal rye. Those people that have had Canadian rye and they're expecting um, that sort of same spice, but sort of I guess bit alcoholy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's certainly our impression of some of them, but this is not that. This is not it at all. So let's um let's put some in a glass and let's talk about what anyone who's going to try this is going to experience because I guarantee it's going to be nothing like any of your whiskey drinking experiences in the past. <laughs> this is whiskey like it's been sort of dug up from the earth. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just got this really earthy. I mean, it's I suppose it's a bit grungy, but quite a. Sort of burnt fruity sort of character. Lots, lots of stewed fruit. Mm. And there's a bit of, there's sort of a bit of uh, like burnt stubble. Like I don't mean burnt facial stubble. <laughs> I mean uh, burnt field. Like that time you set your beard on fire. Yeah. yeah. No, not that sort of burnt stubble. Uh, burnt, burnt sort of crop stubble in the fields. Yeah. Like there's this, this sort of ashy earthiness to yeah, it. Yeah, ashy. Absolutely. I think that 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 is sort of a part of it because Pete does use direct fire stills, so there is bound to be a little bit of um solids that do get a little bit more charry towards the bottom. Yeah, it's got a it's got this sort of cooked yeah nature to it. Yeah, yeah, but that is rye in general. Rye is an infamously hard grain to deal with. Yeah, so why is what what makes uh, rye sort of difficult to it's the, deal with? It's the mash process. So barley behaves itself when you're sort of mixing up in a in a big old barley stew, trying to extract the sugars. You can mix it with a with a spoon quite easily. It's nice and you know stirrable, not too bad. Rye sort of becomes quick set cement whenever you uh, mix it with water, and um, it is not 
the easiest. Like big, lots of machinery can't deal with it. So Peter Bignall, being the genius he is, he's managed to come up with some um, some ways around it. He's got some yeah creative solutions to keep that from sitting like glue. Mm. But I think I think that the the trouble that he goes to is well worth it. Mm. Yeah, he creates a product that is levels of unique that only Ted could describe. Ugh. But yeah, that we've described the nose in some detail, but we better describe the uh, the palate, mm. hadn't we? It's just it, it, there's a lot more of that fruit in there. Yeah, and that earthy earthy fruit is a really succinct way of describing it. It's a there's a sweetness there too. Yeah, you have to go looking for it. There's a sweetness that's balanced by that kind of ashy funk. Mm, yeah, no, exactly. It's um basically tastes exactly like it smells. So, mm. which um again is a surprise in itself. Mm, there's a bit of like strawberry jam, but you forget to put the sugar in. Mm. Um, you just keep condensing those strawberries down on the stove. I'm really hoping that some of our Patreons that we're sending out a dram to have never tried it before because they're going to be in for a surprise. If not a surprise, then a treat. A lot of people these days may have tried the Archie Rose mm. rye That's whiskey. Right. Um, That's all right. It is all right, but it, I think it's still... I think that the Archie Rose is still closer to sort of what you might consider a conventional rye mm-hmm. compared to this, which yeah, is absolutely. right off the edge of the charts. <laughs> yeah, no, the Archie Rose uses um, a lot of virgin oak barrels, whereas um, Peter Bignall uses ex-wine barrels, ex-bourbon barrels. I don't think this one's for everyone. I no. think some people might struggle with kind of that sort of ashy cooked flavour. It's Yeah, it is different. I actually think that it's quite confronting when you first try it, and it's one of those whiskies that actually really grows on you. You, you. you might be really unsure first sip, and and even first dram. But gosh, if I encourage you to seek out a bit more because there is my 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 favorite thing to say about Belgrave is it's like learning to drink whiskey all over again. This is not what you expect, mm. and yet that's exciting, right? It's, oh, absolutely! It's new and it's interesting and it's unlike anything else. So. This is the sort of thing that we as wafflers get us get us waffling. Oh yeah, I really love this. It's mm. ever ever since I first tried it, it just yeah. It, it, I did think at the time that it was just a radical redefinition of what my concept of whiskey was. Mm. I think it's one of those ones you're either going to be really on board like we are, or you're going to be really off board. But those people that are really off board still have a chance to catch up. It's just one of those things that are. Yeah, it does come around. Um, and you know what else? And this might be sacrilegious talking about a, a Tasmanian whiskey, but I actually think that it goes well in an old-fashioned. Yeah, I think the those sort of funky, earthy, dirty notes work well because they sort of they come through mm. and they add this sort of interesting bent to the uh, the old-fashioned. Yeah, that's it. I mean, a dash of bitters, a bit of simple syrup, and a massive old ice cube and an orange garnish and some Belgrove. It's nah, it's definitely worth a try. I can recommend it highly. Now, this is a review, mm. an official review, so we it must is. give a score. And the score that I shall give is a one. No, that's not lie, actually. <laughs> Having given too many ones. I gave one last month, actually. So, yeah. No, I shall give this one a four because I think it is excellent. And while it's not to everyone's taste, it is definitely to my taste. And I think it really does showcase what you can do differently in the whiskey category yeah it's a four for me as well i reckon there's a lot of people out there giving it a one and probably a few fives smattered around i reckon so it's probably one of the most unpredictable um responses that you're gonna get so oh gosh it's worth a try i cannot recommend it more highly you guys go out and find some belgrove if you uh, become a patreon within a, a few days of this episode going out we might even throw in some for the next uh for the next month's release as well just as a bonus Rye sort of becomes quick cement concrete. Quick set. <laughs> R- mm. Rye sort of becomes quick set cement whenever you uh, mix it with water. From the spirit sack. So, Ted, we've got a question from the spirit sack. Hooray! Mum, it's been ages since you've written. <laughs> I know. So, no, this is not from your mother. This is from Owen. Owen McWilliam. Owen? He sent us an email. And just a reminder, if anyone wants to get in touch, send us an email, whiskeywaffle at gmail.com. 
Actually, Owen sent us a number of emails. He did, and they're very entertaining to read. Cheers, Owen. Yeah, Owen, you are a champion. Yep. And so one of the questions that he asked, I picked out for a specific question on the pod. So the question is this. If you could only drink one whiskey for the rest of your life that you also had to purchase, what would you choose? Uh, so it's only one whiskey, but you have to buy it. So you can't just say okay. like alligator hold, hold, or something. Can I drink other whiskeys? No. One whiskey for the rest of your life. There's only one. You only get one whiskey and you have to pay. This sounds like a rough life, doesn't it? We love a bit of variety and Owen's Ugh. restricting that right now. Well, so in, in this, I've got to take into account monetary sort of status. Like, obviously, I'm, yes, not, going, I'm, not, I'm not going to go like buy, buying a Portellan for the rest of my life. No, no. This is the thing. It won't let you do that. No. But nor, nor do I want to drink Black Douglas for the no, rest of my life. No, you do not. I'm feeling that we're looking somewhere sort of around the $100 Australian mark. Yep. That's that's probably that's probably doable if yep, if, yep. Current, if current like jobs and sort of amount of income reigns relatively the same, don't suddenly become super rich or super poor. Super rich and su- super poor. You wouldn't get that for $100. <laughs> uh yes, no super poor. Maybe super repairer though. <laughs> um yeah, but the question is, do you go Sherry or do you go Pete? <sighs> I mean, you know, we, we talk about Lagavulin and the, the whiskey you take to a desert island. Does uh, this may modify drinking patterns? <laughs> because if you are going something, Peter, you're not necessarily going to want to drink it every day. Not necessarily, but yeah, if it's all you've got. <laughs> you Basically, I think you need an all-rounder. Yeah. Maybe something with a bit of peat in it, but yeah. not. I'm actually thinking like a... I was going to say like Highland a Highland Park, Park 18. Yeah, but I was I thinking mean, of Highland Park as well. I, you can't afford the 18 every time. That's the problem. So you no. have to go like a 12. And the 12 is good. Don't get any of those stupid Viking special editions. But the 12 would be pretty solid. So that's not a bad option. But another option for me, like I love the Glendronic 12 in terms of price and flavor. But I don't want to drink it all the time. That's the no, problem. No, it, it's too much sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need that level of sort of sherry. No. What about a Glen Farkless 15? Oh, yeah, that's a whiskey waffle favorite. It's a good balance. Um, it's, and it's not as sherried as the Glen John 12 we yeah. just talked about. But No peat, though. No peat. So, yeah, so as much as I like something like a Bunnhaven, I wouldn't want to drink it, yeah, all the time. Mm. Owen, I, I, I rescind out any previous um, complimentary comments about you before. You're a yeah. bastard. <laughs> any, anything locally? Like we could almost afford a light classic cask, but yeah. it's not quite enough depth just to get us through every time. Enough oomph. I mean, like we could spend a little bit extra and get like some Ugadal. Knock that back. Oh, this is true. Hundred and forty bucks a bottle or something. That's not a bad suggestion, to be honest. Yeah. Oh. Well, this is what Owen says. Owen has answered his own question. He has said that for him, it'd probably be the Ardbeg Ten. Under a hundred bucks, consistent, available, peaty, but complex and bloody delicious. I was considering the Ardbeg Ten as well. That is that is a whiskey that I go. <laughs> that was I don't know if that will carry through, but I sniff deeply in my glass and go. <clears throat> so Ted, it's time to make a final decision. We've bandied about a lot of ideas. You're gonna have to pick something. What will it be? It's kind of got to be the likable one, doesn't it? <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I'd be like, this is my desert island whiskey. If I was going to take one, I'd sit on a Lagavulin 16. But I'm going to answer this question differently, personally. And I'm going to say this. And it's because, partly because of the paying thing. I'm going to say the Glen Farkless, not 15, mm. the 105. Ah. On Nick's $105 <laughs> for a litre bottle. So it satisfies the price. But here is one of the reasons why. You can have it at cast strength, obviously. You can put some water in. You can have it at 40%. Yeah. Or you can make cocktails with it. You can mix it up by by doing funky stuff with it. And because it's so strong, it'll last you longer. So I think it's one of the cheaper, more flexible options that you could choose. And I am going to miss my Pete. I'm going to miss my Pete so much. But if I was only going to have one whiskey, at least it gives me a few options. 
That is a sensible suggestion. Mm. Oh, what have I done? Mm. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. Because, Ted, you're allowed to only buy one. I'm allowed to buy one. We can get together. Yes, this is true. <laughs> one person one person with a non-peated, one person with a peated. Yep. We got you, Owen. We gotcha. Excellent. Waffles, what would you do, though? If you were only to buy one whiskey and you had to pay for it for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Your phone is ringing. That's very yeah. rude in the oh, middle of Viv. the pod. Viv, how you doing, mate? <laughs> Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. Did you know that you're currently speaking on the Whiskey Waffle podcast? No, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to call during it. Not at all, not at all. Emergency. Oh, a whiskey emergency that you can a share with... Emergency, a whiskey catastrophe. Oh, we can share with all our whisk listeners. catastrophe. Okay. Um, I, I didn't bring any whiskey to Coles Bay, so I'm wondering if you can break into your parents' house and bring up both of the Hellier's bottles. Viv, you have chosen poorly. You've let the team down, (laughs) frankly. You've gone camping and not brought any whiskey. Oh, dear. Um, And this is... You know, know, listeners, why this is. It's because he's not a regular listener of the podcast. If he listened more regularly, then he wouldn't make such errors. Look, I'm regular where it counts. (laughs) Yeah. Later. (laughs) Bye. Love you. Well... He's gone. He's gone, yep. (laughs) Damn it. I've been waiting years to say that. Waffle, waffle, waffling with. Ted's doing his best effort to fall off the chair. Welcome along to another episode of Waffling With, and today we are at Belgrove Distillery with the man himself, Mr. Peter Bignall. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, whiskey wafflers. Yeah, it's about time we made it back here, isn't it, Ted? Yeah, it's been a few years now. Um, we've seen you more recently at uh, one of the Tasmanian Spirit Showcases, but um, it's probably been about four or five years since we were last at Belgrove and things have changed quite a bit. We had quite a bit of expansion since you were here. I think, what have we done? One, two, three expansions since you were here, (laughs) at least. Yeah, that's just growing organically, getting bigger and bigger this this place. But um, I guess it seems to be getting more and more um, well-known around the world, though, these days, Uh, Belgrove. Certainly a lot of people have been contacting us about it. Have you um, noticed that there's been a lot of interest around the world? Oh my word, there has been lately, especially um, yeah, Gordon Ramsay came here in January mm-hmm. and did a, did a filming of the holy shit being made, <laughs> and he helped shovel shit to make it, and uh, yeah, that, that's been aired yeah, all around the world, gradually travelling all around the world, I think, on uh, streaming, Yeah. and mm. uh, I noticed just now it's just popped up on, uh, on Disney Plus here in Australia, it's, although it came here a little while ago on National Geographic, but it's on Disney Plus again now, and that, uh, yeah, so many orders come in, mail order. Yeah, how do you know about it? And it's yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we've had some people from uh, America contact us, wanting to know if they can get some. But so, what, what's what's the chances of uh, some of the rye making it over to say the states or places like that? Yeah, I'm working on it right now. Um, I've got a potential distributor who's been hassling me for several years after I met him at a whiskey conference in Adelaide a few years back, and um, yeah, we're finally moving. We've got a. Um, the Cola waiver it's called, a certificate that let me actually ship a little a few samples into America which has got to go away this week and um, yeah, if, if he likes them then um, we'll, we'll start shipping stuff over there. Yeah, excellent. Well, one thing we probably should address um, just at this point is, of course, we're not just talking about just another single malt whiskey here. Um, the, the signature expression from Belgrove is in fact a rye whiskey. So the question is, why rye? Um, yeah, the reason I, I did rye was, well, rye actually chose me in a way. Um, when I, I've, I've been a farmer all my life. Um, I've grown rye for, for most of that time for the stock feed, for the green grass part of the rye that grows. And every now and again I harvested a bit of grain off it to plow, uh, sow back in the ground the next year. And um, anyway, a few years, probably uh, must be 11 or 12 years ago now, I had an absolute bumper crop of rye. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to harvest all this grain this year and sell it, make a bit of money, people would cash money out of the out of the rye. And I discovered I couldn't sell it. It's only a very small commodity, and uh, I just could not find a buyer for it. And I thought, oh, well, I'll build a whiskey distillery, make a whiskey <laughs> yeah. then. And build is probably the yeah. the optimal word there. You're known as a bit of a handyman around the place. What sort of things have you done at the distillery with your sort of your own two hands over the years? Oh, pretty well everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, get a little bit of help in occasionally. Well, I've got a couple of employees now, but um, yeah, as far as building gear around here, yes, I, I built most of it. Yep, so yeah. the still? Still, yes, yep. yeah, well, I've got um, there's two and a half stills at the moment, so the very <laughs> original one I, I built back in 2010. That's still chugging away, although I had to put a new bottom in it recently because it finally wore out. Mm. Um, then I've got a continuous stripping still. 
here as well, which I mainly use just for stripping wine or beer. Yep. Um, and then we put that through the pot still to, to do the uh, finishing run, the yep. spirit run. And I'm currently working on a 2,000 litre copper pot still. Yeah, it's, I can see it right behind my colleague Nick yeah. um, at the moment. It's looking absolutely beautiful, but it's on its side. No, no, Ted, you've just been drinking. It's, it's yeah. perfectly fine. <laughs> I, no, I've, tur I've turned my head the right <laughs> way. It's all good. No, it is, it is lying down over there, so that one might get going. But what about um, some things like the, the grain dryer? You made that? Yes, yeah, um, well, I didn't really make it. I modified it at uh, an industrial clothes dryer <laughs> and um, it actually poor old thing's a bit rusted out in the cabinet at the moment and needs yeah. a bit of reinforcing so I've got to get back onto that this week. Mm. Well actually when we first visited uh, you had quite an interesting way of um, pumping the uh, the bio oil that you make um, to fire the still in. Um, what, what was what was that that you had? Yes, yeah, um, yeah, the oil um, pumps into a burner and it needs to, depending on how fast and how much heat you want, you've got to oil, alter the oil flow rate into the burner mm -hmm. and so it was a little oil pump was running on a mix master just <laughs> you know, a, um, you know, a cake maker mix master yep. and uh, depending on uh, how, how much heat you want you just wind the little knob around on the end and um, yeah we haven't had that for a while now they used to, they used to burn out too, bit too regularly but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's um, a scone mix or something like that I think yeah. used to turn it around too is where it, yeah where so um, speaking of the, the oil I, and, and just this place in general I guess this is if, if not the only one of the only sort of um, carbon neutral distilleries in the world possibly the greenest um, distillery in the world yes yeah I've, um, it starts from the rye because the rye um, grows a huge amount of straw. Yeah, the modern grains that have been, uh, plant breeders have been at, they make a lot of grain and not much straw, but um, all this rye straw is the carbon dioxide that's being locked up. And that gets worked back into the soil, which builds up soil carbon, which is fantastic for the soil, but it also it's carbon capture. Mm -hmm. um, I've also got a 30 hectare plot of trees up the road a bit further that, that's um, for carbon capture research. So part of that, um, those carbon credits are mine. Um, and here on the distillery, I run that on uh, biofuel, which is, um, you know, it's, it's carbon that's been captured from the air and we burn it and it goes back into the air, then it gets recaptured, so it's a very short cycle. Um, so that's uh, pretty good for the environment. Mm. Um, we've just recently put up 10 kilowatts of solar panels as well. I've got um, hot water cylinders here that run off heat pumps and use about a third of the electricity that a normal uh, hot water cylinder does. I've got mm. a lot of heat capture reuse with the... Uh, continuous still that uses very very little energy yeah. so I'm, I'm always conscious of trying to sa save energy and, and when you save energy you save burning fossil fuel mainly on the mainland but we import a bit of that mm. and yeah, so we um, yeah do my little bit to save the planet yeah yeah, yeah um, speaking of using resources on the farm uh, you mentioned before that uh, Gordon Ramsay helped you uh, shovel some sheep shit on the farm so can you can you talk a bit more about uh, that whole that whole little story. Yes, yes, we, we got a bit distracted there, didn't we? <laughs> yes, the um, I do a, a whiskey called the Holy Shit, which is instead of smoking the grain with um, peat, then I smoke it with burning dried sheep manure. Rather different. Yeah. Um, there's, <laughs> o there's only one one other distillery in the world that I know uses um, sheep dung to to smoke their uh, the whiskey. And yeah, that's, that's one of your favourites, isn't it, Ted? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have opinions about that one. It's the Floki. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, yeah, there's a bottle of it just over there on the shelf. Ah, nice. Um, yeah, so I think... There I you think go, you our, can um, have some more, Ted, just in yeah, case yours runs out. Our Tasmanian representative of the uh, sheep shit whiskey scene is a, is a tad sight better than mm. um, that one. How, what's, what's the crowd reaction to it? Are people sort of a bit shocked or disgusted? Do you have to? Uh, well, there's none available right at the moment. But look, when I first brought it out, some people would say, no way. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people, when they tried it, they thought, well, they're very pleasantly, pleasantly surprised um, mm. how, how nice it was. And you've, you've done a lot of experimentation. This is not just rye, of course. We're looking at a shelf of all these different types of um, whiskey that's come out of Belgrove. Any, um, any other favourites or random ones that you've made over the years? Uh, the, the oat whiskey's pretty good. There's yeah. not much oat whiskey made around the world. No. In fact, I sent a few bottles off that over to, it uh, was Belfast Whiskey Week mm -hmm. yeah, a couple of months ago. And um, what about the some of the Peter numbers though? Yeah, there's a great there's a great named bottle that I'm looking at just now called Bogan Burnout. Yeah. <laughs> What's that one all about? Yeah, well that that was that's my attempt at making the peatiest whiskey in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Knock optimal flat. Now, the whiskey we we've got a little glass in hand at the moment. The whiskey that we're drinking is not actually a Belgrave one. This is a whiskey that has been causing 
bit of a stir around the, the place at the moment because it's um, part of a, a certain saga in the Tasmanian whiskey history. So yeah, can you talk a bit about what we're drinking and sort of your part in the whole in the whole story and how it yeah how it comes to be here? Yeah, the the whole story started well, it starts way you know um, over a hundred years ago. Really, my grandparents and great grandparents owned a property at Bothell called Nant, hmm. and then um, they they sold that yeah, they they sold that uh, went through a couple of different owners and then um, finally yeah, somebody got a hold of it and uh, built a whiskey distillery there. I got the job there restoring the old flour mill that was a water-driven flour mill and uh, while I was there I got interest in whiskey. I actually got off a job as distiller that was going to train me up and I decided now I've got a farm to run, I won't have time to do it so I went away and left it and then um, a couple of years later the story I said about the rye, surplus rye which changed my mind about being a distiller. Mm. But anyway that, that was the end of the story except, except that um, my wages were getting slower and slower up getting paid while I was doing the work there, so I decided oh, I'll, I'll take a wet investment barrel as part of my wages. Hmm. Hmm. Um, once I got this distillery at Belgrove um, going, I decided oh, I'll get my barrel out of there and bring it down to here and mature it here and um, then bottle it myself. And I just could not extract it from there. They put hmm. every excuse they could think of to not let me have my barrel. In the end, I got very worried that he was going to go broke. I could see all sorts of dodgy things he was doing, and, and um, anyway, so I accepted a payout and um, yeah, it wasn't very long after that the whole thing collapsed yeah. and then um, I guess you probably know what we're talking about and um, it went through a new, the whole business went through a new owner then the new owners um, uh, got the barrels they wanted from the investors and there were a lot of leftovers there they didn't particularly want mm. offered the investors yeah, in some cases very very little money or even yeah. zero Peanuts. come and get your barrels if you, know, if you don't accept it you come and take them away so I offered the the investors there more money. I, I formed not just me personally. I formed a group with my eldest son and a, and a few of his uh, business associates, and we we formed the Remnant Whiskey Company. It mm. is an independent bottling company. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so we've um, we moved about 300 bottle 300 barrels down to Belgrove, and um, and then been slowly buying them. We have bought most of them now, and uh, we, then we started uh, vatting those barrels together. The um, a lot of the barrels were, were, were just fairly ordinary barrels. They, um, you know, some of them were, didn't have enough flavour, some had too much flavour, some were way too young. Yeah. Um, there was a few in there that were just too old, too woody. But by you know, very diligent blending of different barrels and different flavours, you can end up with a lovely balanced whisky out of, out of a lot of ordinary barrels. So yeah. this first release, which we call the Scoundrel, it's, um, each release will have a different name of yep. someone a bit dodgy. Uh -huh. And um, so this one's the Scoundrel. And it's a batting of 12 barrels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing that the whole can be greater than the sum of its parts. Oh, way, way better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, do you, what sort of um, barrels uh, batted in there? Um, is it? Uh, yeah, all, all types. Yeah. There's ba three basic types they had there that they had that, um, or port and sherry or, or the Australian fortified equivalent mm -hmm. of port and sherry and, and bourbons. Yep. So this this has got um, yeah, some of each, probably more more of the, of the, um, the fortified wines in there and a, and, a, and a bit of a bourbon type in there as well. Yep. But um, we will be doing some releases in the future that are, that are pure fortified, port sherry and, yeah. and a separate bourbon. Yep. Um, so if people want to get a bottle of The Remnant or even a bottle of Belgrove, um, they can go through online and find that? Yep, online's the way at the moment with yep. everybody locked, locked down in yep. certain, to certain degrees. Yep. Yep, so if you go to Belgrove the website, you can, then there's also a link through to the web, Remnant website to order the, the uh, Remnant ones as well, or you can just uh, Google you know, Remnant Whiskey Company and you'll find the, yep. the website there. Definitely worth checking out, and Ted and I have got to try it for the first time tonight, yeah. um, today, and it's enjoying it very much. No, it's yeah, it's certainly an interesting drop indeed. Yeah, uh, quite oh. quite like it, yeah, and no, it's got definitely. a great great great. Well, it's got a, a, a tragic and uh, torrid history behind it, but it's also yeah, it's a really good place that it's come to as well now, and um, that we're actually able to at least get some enjoyment out of the whole thing. Before we finish up, uh, what's in store for the future for Belgrove? Have you got any little plans um, coming up? Um, I'm look. I get bored very easy, that's what I say, <laughs> and I just love creating new things all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a great big variety of thing, um, whiskies there already, but the, what, what we're just starting to work on now is commonly people would think of as single pot still whiskey, oh, like yes. the Irish oh, okay. made, mm. like they're made, so it is, um, our recipe is roughly 80% unmalted barley, yep. 
and and 20% malted barley. Mm. Uh, but we're only going to uh, double distilled, not triple distilled. Yeah. But um, it, it's very interesting. The new new make that's yeah, fantastic, amazingly sweet. Yeah. I think it's going to be very very interesting. Yeah. Mm, well, sounds, watch, yeah. Watch that space for that one as well. Keep, I mean, keep a sharp eye out. As well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for um yeah for being willing to sit down on the distillery couch, um, with us for uh yeah for ten minutes and chat because. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there really interested in the goings on at Belgrove. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Nick and Ted, for yeah, your time here. No worries, thank you for having us. I'm not even sure that Peter Bignall knows what barrel type they're aged in. Like, we, we purchased each a bottle of um, a Pinot Noir car strength off him, which we're very impressed with, till I saw him uh, at a festival a few months later and said, Oh, you know that Pinot Noir thing you bought off me? No, it was actually Shiraz. That's Good uh, old Peter. Yeah, cheers, Pete. <laughs> the ending. The grand finale. It is time for the epilogue. Yeah. That makes... That, I so feel like epilogue, epilogue sounds very final. It is, yeah. It's like the, the very last adventure. We're, we're heading off to wherever Frodo and and uh, Gandalf headed off at the end of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, we're not at that point yet. No, no, we're not. We're just... um, We just had enough trams for one night if we keep drinking then we won't make any sense no we probably don't make any sense at the moment so well folks that's your lot mm. for tonight that's today. it so episode 30 is done like where we've done 30 episodes 30 episodes we've done yeah that's crazy i know do you ever dip into like the old episodes and think what do we talk about in this one? I, I should I should go back and listen over our catalogue again. Yeah. It, listen, listen to the evolution of our early days, sounding <laughs> very ratty and drunk. Yeah, yeah. To, be, some... to being a bit more sort of mature and uh, oh, totally, yeah, polished yeah. in this day and age. I, I say that, but my Ardberg Black review, I'm pretty sure I was drunker than I ever was in those earlier episodes. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it brings us to the end of this one. and I, I'm probably all right. So we um we had a bit of a chat about our awards. That was that's yeah that was a fun time of year. Yeah, for absolutely. Us. And once again, I'm really keen to see if people give a best Tassie whiskey, best Australian whiskey, best Scottish whiskey of the year. And it's nice that like, people seem to just, like watch out for the Waffle Awards as well. We've been doing mm. them for a few years now, and um yeah, people pe- people seem to be pleased when we yeah give them a bit, of, bit of a shout out to Mark from Heller's Road and not Mike Littler, even though he got an award. And Mark the chef, what's his surname? I can't remember what Mark the Chef's na- last name is, but he's other Mark, and he's I think we just call him Chef. Yeah, yeah, and but a bit of a legend. But it, yeah, he he I bumped into him the other day, and he said that he was following our award posting as it went along, and he he suggested I reckon he said next year we should do a um live stream of some sort. And just, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Get yeah, dressed up. Yeah, I think that'd be a bit of fun. So maybe we should look into that. Yeah, we should we should do that. That's mm. that's a good idea. Yep, a solid idea, Chef. Yes, Chef. So now we've succinctly summarised ourselves, it's time to say farewell. Goodbye. Please, please uh, get in contact. Please let us know what you've been drinking, what you're enjoying. Please make any recommendations to us. It's been a while since we've got a review, so I'd love to read out another review. Yes, we do enjoy hearing from you. Um, And failing all that, send us a letter via Carrier Pigeon. It will get to us. Eventually. Somehow. One day. Nice one. All right, then. Well, nighty night, Ted. Nighty night, Nicholas. And nighty night, listeners. Bye. Keep on waffling. And goodbye. Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Business at the front, but then, as the night goes on, it becomes a party at the back.